So this morning, we, we are at the last verse of chapter 1 of Philippians. Um, Philippians 1 verse 30. If you have your Bibles, once you take them out and we will be looking at this, uh, that particular scripture this morning. We have learned much through this book of this chapter um, over the last year, and we look forward to all that God will reveal to us in the, in the coming future. So verse 30 of Philippians 1 says this, Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Let's jump to last week's scripture, verse 29, to give it context. This Paul writes in verse 29, and says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And then he continues um, to verse 30, it says, Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. As I said last week, we looked at verse 29, and uh, I made the statement that God has designed suffering in the life of the believer so that he or she will represent Jesus Christ in the suffering, in your life. So God has orchestrated, he's engineered the things that are happening, the so-called suffering as we know it. In inverted commas, he has orchestrated it, he has engineered it so that we can represent him, Jesus Christ, him who is the, the head of the church in those circumstances. We concluded that suffering is actually a gift from God, just like salvation is. Obviously, um, I would imagine in our, in our church um, Life and how we've been brought up in church. We celebrate salvation. We thank God for the, the gift of salvation. Uh, once I was in darkness, through His gift and His love and His mercy upon me, He plucked me out of that darkness and put me into the wonderful um, uh, presence, his, his light. Kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We celebrate. That's a gift from Him. Nothing we did, we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, we didn't work for it, we didn't do anything to, to get it. He just gave it to us as a gift. And um, so we can easily accept it. But when I say that suffering is equally true, that it is also a gift unto us. It's a gift unto us. Everything that the believer has of spiritual value is a donation from God, even affliction. But that's a hard statement to make. That even your affliction, that is not caused by your, possibly your foolish ways, uh, but that, that ha which has been designed and orchestrated by God, is actually a gift for you to grow, to mature, but that you can represent Him, Jesus Christ, in your day-to-day -day life, through that affliction. Now, having stated in verse 29 from last week that affliction 
is in God's design, Paul now used himself as an example of how to suffer in verse 30. He starts off verse 30 and says, having the same conflict. Conflict is an athletic term. It means a contest. It means agony. It was initially used for gladiators in in competition. It denotes any contest or struggle. And today we get our English term, agony, from this word. The Christian life is a struggle. The Christian life is a fight. There will be significant opposition. And therefore, we will be faced with great strain in our Christian walk. In our Christian life. Let's not, let's not fool ourselves. It's not all roses. It's not all nice rainbow. It's, it, no, it is difficult. It is a strain. It is a contest. It, someone is fighting for our time. Someone is fighting for us. Someone is trying to impose his ways on us. And we are forever fighting this thing. The Christian life is not easy. This is the same struggle as Paul himself had. Paul set himself up as an example of how to suffer. There's an emphasis on the word same in the Greek. Our struggles are no different to those that the apostle faced. Different circumstances, but our struggles are still the same. They're no different they just present themselves in a, in a different way. But the application remains the same. So, so Paul starts off by saying, having the same conflict, the same um, contest, the same agony. And then he carries on and says, which you saw in me and now here is in me. 2,000 years plus We face the same things the Apostle Paul did. Yes, he was locked up in prison. Yes, he was faced with all sorts of stuff that we are not necessarily faced with. Uh, But in in its entirety, we are still faced with opposition. We are still faced with tribulation. We are still faced with... um, Uh, agony because we stand for what is right because we stand for Christ who's on the throne the things that he faced poor then we meet now we face the same conflict the Philippians saw when he was there how he coped with his suffering and now from hundreds of miles away they still hear it they saw what happened to him right in their city but even after he had suffered before and were spitefully uh, treated at philippa as you know he stood bold um, in god who allowed him the opportunity to speak the gospel to preach the gospel even in the midst of all the conflict that was brought to him he and so he, he tells the Philippians that you saw me in prison here. You saw how I handled this conflict. You saw how I, 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 um, my testimony was to the world at large. 
it continues now that I'm, I'm still in prison, hundreds of, hundreds of miles away, I'm still in prison, but I continue to proclaim the goodness of God. Now, Paul was still in jail. He says, I was in prison in Philippi, and now I'm in prison in Rome. He saw the inside of many prisons. And it wasn't because he was a criminal, but because he preached the gospel of Christ. I wonder how it is for us, the situation, the life that God has given you. How are you um, facing the conflicts that you have? You don't have to be in prison physically like he was, but you are probably thrown into situations where you have to stand for the truth. You have to stand for the thing that you believe. This um, God that we proclaim. Sometimes we have to stand up. And I say sometimes, I should actually say, often than not, we have to stand up. More times you have to stand up and say, no, this is not how I behave. Not because I want to be super spiritual and I want to be better than him, but because I know who lives in me. I know the standard that he has brought in my life. I wonder how often that happens. As I've said, I'm obviously in business. Um, and I say obviously, I'm sorry, I mean I'm in business. And uh, I'm faced with a lot of challenges with this particular um, uh, uh, stand in the Christian world. So I'm faced with things that call me to stand against what the principles of business look like. And because of those things, I then lose art, as it were. I don't get those deals that I should get because I stand for the truth. I stand and say, no, I will not give you that brown envelope. I will not hand it over to you so that I can get the deal. That is me standing up. And even more so, I, I, of, sometimes I'll get the opportunity where guys will ask me, why? Everyone is doing it. Well, why won't you do it? And then I get the chance to say, no, because I am different. Because I know who I represent. Because my standards are different. Because Jesus Christ reigns in my life. And I choose to serve him. That is a fight. That is agony. That is conflict. Because I want the deals. I want those things. I, I want them. Don't we all? But man, I've got to represent Christ. That's why I said when I began, the, the Christian life is difficult. It's a bit difficult because of what we stand. We stand for. I mentioned earlier that the Christian life is a struggle. It is a fight. And I wonder how many of us can relate to it. So we have 21st century, 2022. Life is how it is. God has graciously blessed us with his life in us. How do we stand up for him? How do we um, oppose the enemy through all the principalities and all the things that he's doing to try and derail us? How do we stand? How do we stand against managers, against bosses, against, against guys who have money, against, against uh, powers for him? Because we stand for the truth. The Christian life is a struggle. It is a fight. And there will be significant opposition. And therefore, will 
be a great strain for you and I. Daily, constantly, the Christian life truly, truly is not easy. It is not easy. But there is hope for you and I. So that's not all doom and gloom. It's not just, oh, it's hard, it's hard, God, I've got to stand against the world. How am I to do this? I want what the world is offering me. It looks nice. It almost, it feels nice. I want those things. But I am to stand against those because they do not represent you. They do not represent you. Now, how am I to do that? There is hope for you and for me, us, the children of God. It is not all doom and gloom. For us Christians, God offers us a very different path when we are in Him. He offers us a very different path. How lovely is it that He actually offers us a path? It's not just He's left us. Well, I've saved you. Good luck. Good luck. No, no, He offers us a path, a different path when we are found in Him. When we are found in Him. Even if these um, sufferings are always present, they're forever with us. Even if that's the case, He has given us the strength and the promise that we will be able to overcome it and we will not face it alone. He has given us a path. He has promised us that he will, we will not be alone. We will, we will overcome it. Life is challenging, whether you're a Christian or not. Trials and tribulations are part of this life, whether we like it or not. That's the reality. But there's a major difference, the major difference between us who are in Christ and those who do not know Christ. There's a major difference between being the, um, in, of the world and being in Christ. This major difference is that in the world, we will have to face the battles um, on our own. We will have to face the battles on our own. And actually, at the end of the day, we will lose. We might seem as though we're going to win. We are winning. We are, we, are, we are going. We are getting. We are following. It, it sounds. It looks nice. The path looks nice. But actually, we will end up losing. However, for you and I in Christ, His grace and His mercy is sufficient. In fact, He has already overcome it all. He has already overcome it all. We will never have to fight and solve it uh, on our own. But it is Christ who will solve it for us. Yes, we give ourselves to Him. Yes, we look to Him. He guides and He helps. But our lives are not ours. We have surrendered ourselves to Him. We have surrendered ourselves to Him. And if we have done that, He says He will help us. When you are weak in your flesh, so He is strong. When you are faced with opposition, so you are able to rise up and say, No, I will not follow that way. Not in your own might, not in your own strength, but in His might and in His strength. Therefore, when we are of the world, 
we will gain awesome things. We'll gain many things. We'll gain money. We'll gain cars. We'll gain riches. We'll gain all these wonderful things. These things that are appealing. These things that are appealing to us. But we... The world is temporary. Temporary. We will, lo- we will then lose it when we die. But in Christ we may lose everything in this life in this world, but we will gain everything when we are in Him. Our suffering right now is nothing to be um, compared to the joy and glory that will be revealed in us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God enables the suffering for us to grow, for us to fully trust and hold on to Him. We will suffer for the gospel. You will suffer for the gospel. And I'm sure you have suffered for the gospel many a times. And it's not the end. We will suffer for living Christ-like. For the world hates this The world hates us because of our stand. But we must rejoice in our suffering. (laughs) Hard statement to make. You must rejoice in your suffering. Because these sufferings are nothing compared to the joy Jesus has given to us. We will suffer now, but we will be rejoicing in heaven Forever. This is temporary. This is not going to last forever. The, 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 the problem that we have, we are going to leave this world. And I made an example last week about the strength. About life starts on day one. It, there's an appointed time for our end in this life. But we unfortunately live as though um, this life is the ultimate. We're going to end up, we live as though there's no tomorrow as it, as it were. We need to live in view of eternity. Because eternity is forever. It's forever. Why would you live your whole life giving everything to a life that starts at a certain point and ends at a certain point? There's a beginning and an end. But once you enter into eternity, there is no end. There is no, it's, uh, it's, um, it, it carries on forever. Infinity. Infinity. So the, this, these sufferings that we experience now on this side of the, of the grave will not last forever. Will not last forever. Paul ends this chapter, verse 30, with a note regarding his own suffering. He was arrested and thrown in prison. He faced shipwreck. He was bitten by a snake. But despite all these past sufferings, and his ongoing imprisonment, ongoing uncertainties. Is he going to stay? Is he going to be released? Is he going to be executed? Is, what's going to happen? Paul was still able to preach to many, write letters to encourage believers, and to be used of God to help encourage the spread of the gospel. Suffering is difficult. Yes, I know. 
but it is not without purpose. The suffering that God has engineered has allowed to um, be in your life. It is not without a purpose. God has used pain and continues to use pain as faced by many believers to accomplish much good. And you see, Paul's point here is also that the struggle he faces is exactly the same as it has always been. So he went through a series of struggles, but before him there were others who uh, preached and went for, uh, followed God, but they also had battles. They also had conflicts. They also had sufferings. So it wasn't new. Nothing is new under the sun. Whether the struggles are large or small, the same basic idea applies. The world which rejects God is working consistently to interfere with the spread of the gospel. The world is working consistently to interfere with the spread of the gospel. If you look at the world today, the news, the, 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 the liberal movements that are happening, the things that we are, that we are being faced with, the things that our kids are going to ha- uh, have to deal with, the world is constantly working hard to interfere with the gospel. Paul's experiences are simply the natural consequences of that battle. And so our experiences, perhaps part of our suffering, is naturally the, the consequence of the fact that we are in a battle. We are not, uh, remember we, uh, the, the, in Philippians 6, um, it speaks about, um, for our fight is not flesh and blood. We are in a battle. We are in a battle. Six, uh, Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So it's not, we're not fighting each other. We're involved in, in, in a war. The moment you're plucked into the, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, you are in a battlefield you know battlefield and someone is unhappy someone is unhappy that you've been plucked away from their kingdom and brought into the kingdom of light and someone will always cause uh, confusion cause problems cause difficulties because you are not um, fighting to stay in the dark kingdom you're fighting you, Jesus Christ has already won. He's plucked us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. But someone is not happy about that. And so he has vowed to try to do anything and everything he can to make our lives difficult. And so we have to stand. But we cannot stand alone. We cannot stand in our own strength. Now, People who do the right things for the right reasons face agony. People who do the right things for the right reasons face
face conflict. People who do the right things for the right reasons face opposition. Paul did. But it's also good to know that we are not alone in suffering. We are not alone in suffering. And it's unfortunate that some Christians expect nothing but smooth seas in life. Smooth. You've been saved and so you expect it to just be a smooth sailing. We have to face reality. We're in a war. If the great Apostle Paul had his troubles assigned to him, should not we face our problems as well? Orientation in life is not gained by avoiding pain, but by acknowledging it and sharing it. So when you share your pain with me, when I share my pain with you, when you share our pain with each other, in those moments we are able to encourage one another. We are able to give God the glory that is due to His name. Now at this point I know what you might be thinking, because I have thought it. Um, and this is it. You say that life is a struggle. Life is a challenge. Life is difficult. God has designed my life, orchestrated, engineered it, that the sufferings, the affliction will bring glory to Him. How? How can that be anything that I should be excited about? How? The Word tells me that God is loving the God is merciful. What kind of God is loving and merciful but allows all these things to happen to me? I don't understand. I don't understand. But the truth of the matter is that we will never understand everything in this life. God's ways are higher than our ways. He's in the heavens and we are here on earth. But all he asks of us is that we trust him. Is that we trust him. Even if we don't understand why or how, how it's going to look, how it's going to work out, he just asks us to trust him. He just asks us to trust him. There's a song with words that say this. When I trust Him, I do not need to understand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. And in this life, we will not understand everything. And that's a hard thing for us as humans. Because we want answers. We want to work out everything. It's in our nature. We want to understand and work things out. Why is it happening? How is it going to end up? What is the purpose of this thing? But God, God asks us just to trust Him. Just to allow Him to be God. And just to allow ourselves to be children. Like your kids, those who have kids. You would like your children to just trust you. You make some decisions that they think, Oh man, what is mom and dad on about you? But you know that you're doing it for their good. It's the same for us under our King. 
He asks us to just trust in Him. To just trust in Him. And I know that thing is difficult because of our makeup, because of who we are, because of our ability, what we've learned, what God has given us, granted us to have. But he says, lay, we sang about uh, laying our crowns before his feet this morning. He asks us every day, continually, lay your crowns before me. Lay your life before me and allow me to be God in your life. Allow me to be God in your life. So Paul ends this particular um, chapter and he says, nothing is new under the sun. The things that I'm going through, the battles that I'm facing, others have, have faced, others, but in just different um, shape and form. I am battling now. It's not new. And so he says to us, the things that we are facing is also not new. The circumstances might be different, but the principle still applies. We are in a war. We are in a war. We have been transformed and we have been renewed daily. The word of God says that we are to be, um, that we are, we are being transformed daily into the image and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, we will have agony. We will have conflict. We will have difficulty standing up against the world when the world says move to the left and you say, no, I'm standing. And my prayer for me, first and foremost, and for us as friends this morning, is that we would have the same answer as Jesus did as he went to the cross. You remember he says this to the Father. He says, Father, with you all things I know are possible. All things I know are possible. But if it is okay, if it's possible, he says... I know all things are possible. Then you ask God and it says, if it is possible, please would you take this cup away from me? Remove it from me. Yet not my will, but your will, Father. And I wonder whether, in fact, I don't wonder. I know we're not there. And my prayer is that we will get there. That we will get there. That we would lay our crowns before Jesus Christ and say, Father, I know this is hard. I don't understand. don't have all the answers. But, and if it's possible, please remove some of these things because it showed Jesus' humanity. He was in agony. He was in a conflict. He was troubled. But he says, Father, not my will, but your will. So, Father, I pray for us as, a, as, a, as your children. I pray, God, for us who have been redeemed by your love, by your grace, by your mercy. I pray, God, that in this troubled world, that you would help us, God, to be like your son, Jesus, as you transform us, as you renew our minds, as you work in us, Lord, as you mature us, as you develop us, Father, I pray that we would have the same heart, the same thinking, the same attitude. Not my will, Father, but your will. Because your will, Jesus, is good 
and perfect in every way. Even though we might not see it, we might not experience it, but we know that your will is perfect. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray. Amen.